I told my nephew, Alex, he just turned 26 today. I said, Alex, you know, I called him for his birthday, and I said, it's too, too bad you're not four years older, because I could have given you a U.S. Senate seat for your birthday. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I've got this thing, and it's fucking golden. And I, I'm just not giving it up for fucking nothing. I'm not going to do it. And, and I can always parachute, use it, and fucking parachute me there. I talked to Fred about that. You, you know, there's life after that if I do It's like people only do things because they get paid. And that's just really sad. And welcome back to another episode of Reboot Deboot. I'm your co-host, Griffin. I am the other co-host, Alex. And uh, we're the podcast that features 100% of Alex and Griffin. Yeah, well, on a good day, right? Sometimes. I mean, <laughs> cannot go uh, out of the park. <laughs> so, uh, Alex, before we get into our casual chit-chat, I have a... I have some some news hot off the presses for you. Okay. So uh, you and I might have an episode to do, but if we don't do it, we have a show that we're gonna have to watch, my friend. What is uh, what's getting remade into a TV show? Timothy Oliphant is coming back for a brand new Justified series. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. It's based off of the novel Justified or City Primeval. So Timothy Oliphant is reprising his role as Raylan Givens. Uh, Quentin Tarantino was in talks to direct direct episodes of the series. Hmm. It's going to be set in mid-2023. And it, it takes place in Detroit. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, and Timothy Oliphant's uh, real life daughter will be premiering in the show, also. Nepotism. Well, (laughs) (laughs) all right, cool. I mean, yeah, I like Justified. It's been a while. So it's called Justified City Primeval. So, yep. All right. No, no word. Yeah, sometime this year. No word on Walter Goggins reprising his role, sadly. Walton. Walton. O-N. Walty? Walt. Wally? Walt. Not, I know it's not Walter. W? Is my point. Walter? Wally? Wall? Literally w? Not Walter. It's Walton. Yeah. Yeah. Goggins? Yeah. The Waltons? Watch, uh, like that old show? You check out Mayfair Witches yet? I haven't checked out Mayfair Witches. This week. This week I'm going to check out Mayfair Witches. Four episodes. They're like an hour long each. They're t- I like it so far, knowing nothing about the story the books. Of the character. But Alexandra Alexandra Daddario is really good. Cool. Hell yeah. Is Rowan. Mm-hmm. Oh, she is Rowan Mayfair. Okay. Oh, that's a good cast. That's a good casting right there. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. That's cool. Um, and then uh, there's some fun other characters, like the <laughs> the woman that plays Dwight's babysitter in The Office. You know what I'm talking about? Like, she's in some Mike Judge stuff, too. Vaguely. Okay. Yeah, you'll recognize her when you see her. She's, like, in Malcolm in the Middle and some other things. <laughs> Who's she playing? Uh, one of Rowan's aunts. Uh, okay. 
than the guy. So as as not a Mayfair, like as not a reader of Anne Rice, how well like you're enjoying it, you're having a good time with knowing nothing of the backstory yeah. or nothing of the characters or anything. Yeah, so far it's still very much like three episodes in for me knowing nothing. It's still very much in the ooh, this is all kind of strange. What's going on here? Stuff like uh, not sure what's up with Lesher, but you know he's around. Uh, right, the family of course. Seems fun, but like you don't know anyone's motives. That court guy seems like an asshole. Right. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I like the actor okay. got to play him. I really like. He's a he had a cool role in Veronica Mars too. I don't know, so I'll keep watching it. I'm definitely more okay. intrigued by it than I was by Interview with a Vampire, like the new one there. Um, you know, I I've only seen the trailer for Mayfair, which, and honestly, I'm already more intrigued with it with Interview, only because I'm so much more familiar with Interview. Mm. This one has more of like a, it's got like a darker sort of like. Fairy tale. It's got like a darker aesthetic overall to it, like more sure. of like an American horror story vibe, but not in a bad way because I know that <laughs> isn't necessarily a good thing for you. Well, but like, no, the, but, uh, you know, like creepy opening title sequence, a la right. Hannibal well, or something like that. No, I, I don't like. I, I've read the Mayfair witches. I, I've read their exploits. I'm I'm versed. Yeah. Well, so like, uh, I, I have it. I'm just the aesthetics of the show are cool like, it's cool some blood vessels rupture and stuff in fun ways i'm i'm happy to hear that it's written in such a way that you don't need to read the books to like i don't know enjoy it maybe yeah like i am because i was a little like, worried about that i was a little like uh but I'm, I'm glad to hear that they've they've presented it in such a way that um any level of uh viewer can just dive in yeah and they they do a lot of like uh it's so far it's very like lots of lots of intrigue they like little things like pop up and they don't explain like that sort of shadowy group of people that are like watching rowan and like any sort of paranormal activity <laughs> sure the guy with the gloves that can touch stuff and see <laughs> memories and stuff you know sure cyprian, okay something cyprian Something grieves. I don't. Like. Um. Yeah, it's fun though. I don't know. All right. Yeah, I, I need to check Mayfair Witches out. I've also I'm very been, excited by it. Also been watching that M Night Shyamalan so, show Servant. It's the last season. I'm almost. <laughs> Is it? Has it gotten any better? I honestly don't know. I think I'm too close to the situation to be objective about it. I really my <laughs> my view is that. <laughs> I don't think this will ever I don't think the show will have any sort of satisfying resolution at any point. I just need to see it through now because they have said this is the last season or M Night did. You, you know, I, I felt that way about Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Bob's Burgers is still on the air though. <laughs> Aren't these little uh, Are you just watching yeah, watch through all the episodes know. I had on my Plex server? <laughs> no, I I watched through like five or six seasons or seven seasons or whatever, however many seasons. And I don't hate it, but I don't like it. Yeah. But I was watching out of morbid curiosity. That servant show is like a puzzle box show, and they have a really cool. The first episode, there's a classic like M Night moment where you're like, "What the fuck?" And that was enough to hook uh. me for the first season. 
And then around season two, I'm like, things just keep on getting weirder, but they don't really explain. Like, there's just nothing but new mysteries popping up. They don't ever <laughs> explain or resolve any of the old mysteries. We just move on to new ones. And then, like, season sure. three, I'm like, this is still sort of what's going on. And now. Well, a, a baby turns, like, a baby doll turns into a real baby, right? Yeah, and back and forth a few times. But, I mean, it starts with. Oh my God. You know, you seeing that fake doll that the mom has been treating as real, and you're like, "Whoa, what the, what's going on here?" Um, and that kind of gets you in, and then I don't know. But at this point, I just want to see it through. Like, I watched sure. all of that show, Girls, for a very similar reason, where I made it through a first season. I was like, I don't really like this, but I kind of want to see what happens. I don't like M Night Shyamalan. Like, I, I really don't like his movies. This is definitely better than The Happening. I will say that. Well, that's that's not saying much, man. That's a low bar. Probably his worst movie. Um, So, so, I've been playing that game for Spoken. Not getting great reviews. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> the main <laughs> character. Uh, I could have so I could have written the dialogue better, much better. The dialogue they make the main characters almost insufferable. The gameplay, like the tr- like the open world traveling, fighting combat stuff, that's cool. Um, but really, I just would prefer like if they had a more likable protagonist, it would be awesome. Like if they had a like a more agreeable protagonist, it would be great. But uh, like it starts off with she's not a protagonist at all, mm-hmm. and she gets thrown into this world, and circumstances play out to where she has to be a protagonist, and then some shit happens, and like a, a minor tragedy of um, like happens, and now I'm at the point in the game where she's still like I'm not a fucking hero. Literally a lot of dialogue. She's like I'm not a fucking hero. I'm not here to save you. And it's like I feel like at this point though you kind of have to drop the act and you have to be. Have you never like, seen an isekai anime? They exist in your world. I'm just like <laughs> we've gone too far. Yeah. Like too many things have happened. And you have been, like, too much is, yeah, you have to be here at this point. Like, you can be reluctant and then after give it up if you really want. But, like, at this point right now where where I'm at in the game, God, you got to be agreeable. I want to give it a try. I'm just going to wait till it goes on sale or something. Usually that happens pretty quick with games that get, like, terrible fucking reviews out of the gate. So, we'll see. I got it on sale, luckily. So, I did not pay that full price tag. Oh, but uh you get, like, Let me a tell you, man. Get gear or something for it. It's only been out for like two days. No, I got it during. I pre-ordered it, but I pre-ordered uh, it during the winter sale. Oh, okay, that's weird. And there was like a there was a special uh, Steam discount thing on it for the winter sale, and I was like, it was a developer like a that's Square right. Enix developer like discount thing on Steam or whatever oh, during the winter right. sale. So I picked it up for not full price. Right on. Cool. Yeah. Like very nice, and Watch Dogs Legion finally hit Steam, and it's on sale right now for twelve bucks. Yeah, those Ubisoft games, man, like a hundred and twenty dollars for a year, and then they go on sale for five. Yep, yep. So, uh, but <clears throat> this is not a video game uh, podcast. 
Uh, Alex, why don't you tell our audience, our hearers, what we're going to be discussing today? Yeah, we watched... Uh, I guess I don't know if anyone would have been able to pick this up from that front quote. That was Rob Blagojevich, uh, governor of Illinois, trying to sell a Senate seat. Because we watched Chicago, the, 19, <laughs> the 1927 silent movie, and then the 2003 musical. But set in 1920 Chicago, both of them. So. Yeah, it was. And true uh, crime so, stories, which I didn't know. That's what's interesting. Oh, you have, did you do a little bit of of uh, did a little bit background of, on this? 1920 Chicago sounds wild. <laughs> sounds wild. <laughs> Lots of chicks shooting their boyfriends and husbands. <laughs> uh, so, what's your experience with Chicago, Alex? Uh, absolutely none other than being aware that the 2003 movie came out, I guess. Sure. Okay. Uh, I hadn't seen it. I knew it was a musical. I'm pretty ambivalent about most musicals. So, that was not high on my okay. list. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's pretty much, pretty much it. I had no idea that there was a silent movie that existed. Um. And then I think I probably would have been able to intuit that, like, generally movie musicals tend to be based on, like, stage productions. So, like, the idea that there's a 70s play or a 70s musical called Chicago was not surprising, but I don't, I probably didn't know that before this. Sure. Okay. And that there's, like, a play from the 20s that that one was based on that this reporter wrote (laughs) the script for after seeing these women kill their husbands and boyfriends. Was also Correct. news to me and cool. That's, that's uh, okay. What about you? Um, I had seen Chicago 2002 when it came out, and I was a fan. And uh, I lightly knew that it was um, like an older perform, like uh, play, like a production. Mm-hmm. But that's the extent of my knowledge. I didn't know it was a 27 movie. I didn't know it was a 26 play. I loosely knew that it was a musical from the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Chicago, uh, initially starts its life in 1927 as a stage play, uh, written by Maureen Dallas Watkins, who was a, uh, she was a journalist and a screenwriter. She, during her time as a journalist for the Tribune, uh, she came across the story of a woman uh, who, you know, murdered her husband or who murdered uh, her lover and then claimed that he tried to kill her and then her husband took the blame for it. Pretty much the basis for Roxy Hart. Yeah. Um, In Chicago. And then uh, there were two women who were kind of the adaptations for Roxy and Velma that both happened in nineteen uh, in the twenties in Chicago, and they were both real life murders um, and trials that happened. So uh, Maureen Dallas Watkins would go on to write the screenplay, and it was originally titled "Brave Little Women." Bula Anan and Belva Gartner were the two women. Yes. Oh. Yes. And uh, so as time went on because of how Chicago, uh, how popular Chicago got, um, there's now a title discrepancy 
between the musical play and the rights that are held by the show's producers and creators. So there is Chicago, the play, and then there is something called Play Ball that is also Chicago, the play, and they are two different entities with similar plots. Okay. So, but for all, for our, uh, for our, um, benefit we will be honing in on the 1927 silent film uh cecil b demille film chicago yeah have you Um, watched a silent movie before before yeah tons yeah i I was surprised by how long this (laughs) is I was expecting it to be like 20 minutes or something. I was kind of wondering like how much gas I don't know cuz it seems kind of gimmicky. Like I was also surprised by how much dialogue there appears to be happening on screen versus how few <laughs> fucking subtitle cards there are. Okay, they so they would talk for like 10 minutes at a time and then they would flash up a single <laughs> sentence. <laughs> so Chicago came out on December 27th, 1927. The budget was $303,000. The box office take was 480000 That's insane money at the time, right? <laughs> like in yeah, the 20s? This is, <laughs> yeah. this is like what Cecil B. DeMille is sort of, is, he's like no, yeah. Howard Hughes. Yeah. Cecil B. DeMille, for those who don't know the name, he is iconic, or he was iconic Hollywood director. Abusive asshole director. Like he did all he is gold standard for like iconic Hollywood. And you know, he made over 70 pictures uh between the years of 1914 and 1958, both silent and sound and talkies. Um he worked with every great actor and actress. Uh most of the like the classic um, award-winning films he had a hand in, either directing or producing, um, just iconic classic uh, Hollywood. He died in 1959 at the age of 77. He was born in 1881. Uh, Cecil B. DeMille is was one of like the the Mount Rushmore faces of Hollywood, if there was one. You know, Jesus was ready for his close-up. Get to call him. Yeah. For... <laughs> so yeah, uh, when this movie comes out, it is cr- stupid money in 1927. Like this is also crazy. This, to make... is, this movie is coming out three years after the events it's based on took place. This seems like a crazy yeah. turnaround to me. It's impressive. Yeah. It, it's to have it all go out flawlessly and then be that big and successful. It's it's not even that, right? It's like the stuff happened in 1924. Then there's a full play written and produced by 1926. And then there's this movie by 1927. (laughs) Right. Uh, So have you, was this your first silent film? Other than seeing like clips of a, I was going to say Benny Hill. That's not who I'm thinking of. Who's the guy that like stands while the house falls around him? That guy. Buster Keaton. Buster Keaton, not Benny Hill. Yeah. Other than seeing like some of those clips. uh, Yeah. This is the first one. Or like, I mean, I've seen that picture of the jockey or whatever, you know, the first motion picture. Oh, sure. 10 seconds long. Uh, But no, I never watched a silent film before. And I started watching this one and I'm like making notes to myself. I'm like, you, 
maybe you had to have an eight millimeter camera running in the background or something because I feel like I'm going fucking insane watching this double <laughs> silence. And then I found a and then I found a version with like a sort of a ragtime jazz soundtrack to yes. it. Yes. And then I was like, this makes way more sense. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so it's interesting you said that because I, I've seen a I, I've seen a bunch of silent films. I went through a Buster Keaton phase. Um I, I went through like all the old uh, monster movies and I did some old film noir stuff. So I, I've seen a, a decent amount of silent films. And when you were like, before you, you were like, this yeah, is I was, silent. I was I'm like, texting well, you about it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, Oh, I found one of the ragtime. I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But I didn't realize you were watching it in ad, like, Watching a silent movie. In I pulled up silence. the Wikipedia one, which has be... no soundtrack. It's just the like the film stock or whatever. So I'm sitting there, totally silent, just listening to the ears <laughs> ring as this guy like overacts and points at stuff. <laughs> I was like, I'm going crazy. That... I thought about putting on Pink Floyd or something, <laughs> like just to, just to distract myself while I watch. Yeah, that's uh, that would make I would not. Yeah, that's probably a, like a step in the right direction for insanity. I was going, watching I was like, why did, why did this catch on at all? This is terrible. <laughs> so you found a proper version with a soundtrack. Yeah, I basically just like Googled okay. Chicago nineteen twenty seven like high quality, and the first YouTube hit is one with like there. It's basically just like sort of a jazz slash orchestral like back sure. track, and then there's points where. It syncs up sort of like when she turns on the player piano, then it switches to a piano right. track or like when they hit the bells. There's a few times where like they focus, they close up on bells and they hit them and like then you'll hear the bells ring in the soundtrack. So I assume right. something similar would have been happening with the live okay. band playing along with the movie, which is also a thing I learned that silent movies were never actually silent. They were almost always accompanied by some form of live music, which is cool. Yes. I didn't know that before. Yeah, I, I've never seen a totally silent film, and now I'm kind of curious. Don't I do not recommend it. I made it like <laughs> I made it like a minute in before I was like, "This is too much." <laughs> this is... <laughs> also, so I like I need background music all the time. Like I shower with podcasts on, basically, unless I'm about to. I don't know, unless I'm just waking up. That's like the only time I don't have sound happening. So it was like really unsettling. Okay. I could not. Uh, so. This was your first silent film, and it was a Phyllis Haver movie. Does She's the woman who plays that's Roxy, actress Roxy. who plays Roxy. Um, she classic iconic Hollywood silver screen uh, actress of the time. Started her career in 1917, and her last film was 1930. But she did see roughly. I want to say 35 films in that time period. This is back now, a few of those system where they're basically just like sweatshop stamping out these fucking things. Yeah. Right. Um, a few of the movies have been lost to time. So they're considered lost films. They were lost in fires or earthquakes or uh, the film wasn't properly sealed or taken care of. So it degraded over time. Um so yeah, so Phyllis Haver, Cecil B. DeMille, uh, you know, Victor Varconi is in it, who's also another famous uh, actor of the time. Um, 
What did you think? Like, were you familiar with the plot of Chicago or did you have any knowledge about what it was before you got into it? Or I didn't know anything about it other than it like kind of focused on not Broadway, but like the Chicago equivalent of that. Like I was sort of vaguely aware it was like about showbiz somehow. I didn't know basically I, I knew nothing about the plot basically turns out like I didn't, I was not expecting someone to get murked in the first like 15 minutes. Um, okay. And then I, I ended up like just reading some of the synopsis again, because there's like so much, I don't know. There's lots of dialogue that is not captioned at all. Right. You see people talking back and forth and I'm waiting for one of those cue cards to come up and then it just never happens. Uh, okay. Sure. I was surprised by not surprised by. It. It's interesting to see how different the acting is in silent media, right? It, it, like, it's silent media is basically stage play acting. Yeah, that thing where they have to like over emote everything. You got to play to the cheap seats. So like right. the the first sequence where the husband is waking up and they're making a big show out of him like fawning over his wife who's pretending to be asleep and then like him like seeing the fucking the stack of dishes and then kind of like cuts to him making a really over exaggerated like frowny face with any smile <laughs> does the dishes and then it cuts to him in the closet and he like holds something up there's a little bit of like weird product placement for those cigarettes and stuff right <laughs> yeah so uh your, your first silent film overall what did you think um overall i think i prefer them when there's dialogue <laughs> i'm gonna be honest okay it wasn't it wasn't terrible but i feel like being able to hear the actors say things and have soundtracks is a pretty big boon to the that was a good choice on the movie industry's part adding <laughs> adding that stuff in <laughs> okay um as far as the movie goes did you like it yeah, I I thought it was I thought it was all right. I don't know. I liked I think I liked the more recent one a little more, but there's like other than sort of basic story elements, they don't have a lot in common. Uh yeah, I mean, yeah, so um yeah, it's same story, but they definitely flush it out more. They make Roxy, and, uh, Roxy's in 2002. Is way more of a, uh, I'm going to borrow a modern word, way more of a simp in that, in that original one. <laughs> He's yeah. Like, Such a fucking Amos. schmuck. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, you know, it, it's Chicago. It, it, watching the movie, I... Because I'd already seen 2002 a few times, so I knew what the like, was getting into. But watching this, I don't know. It just felt like there's something about old iconic Hollywood movies that you watch, and it's like, man, they're they're classy. Like at some level, this is just like a classic, classy looking environment story. Like it's very, um, I don't know. It, it, it's uh. It's like you're watching a period piece, but it's not a period piece because that's just what people looked like when they made the movie. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like waves of nostalgia, even though I'm nowhere near that era, you know? Yeah. No one needs to look at that painting in your attic. No. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, we don't talk about that, Alex. 
Um, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought the original was cool. Um, I'm surprised you're shocked at how long it was. Like it was an, it was a movie. It's, it's movie length. Honestly, like I said, I have no, <laughs> no experience with silent <laughs> films. Part of the initial shock was like, it was me being, you know, two minutes in still on full silent mode. And then looking at the runtime and be like, holy shit, I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> It might have softened. Okay. If I, I think if I had the soundtrack to start out with, I may have been less surprised by the runtime. But the, it was just now, initial shock. I was like, how did anyone do this? Is there an intermission where I can go and like make noise for myself? <laughs> uh, what ending did you see with Chicago? Uh, I don't... Were there multiple endings? Did they, like, there is. What are the different endings? Uh, there's the original ending is um, Roxy is punished for her crime. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is the uh, one where Roxy gets acquitted. Hmm. So for those of you who haven't seen Chicago, it's the tale of this uh, brave, innocent, bold little lady. Yeah. Okay. Really who uh, you even in the silent version. Okay. She is with her adoring, hardworking husband. He sells cigarettes and tobacco and cigars. And uh, one night, a horrible, evil, lustful burglar breaks into the apartment, and Roxy has no choice but to defend herself. Uh, They both reach for this gun that is out on a bureau, and uh, Roxy is quicker. but he is stronger, but Roxy is able to get the gun. And out of fear and terror, she fires twice and uh, kills this evil intruder. Conversely, Roxy is cheating on her adoring idiot husband with this skeevy couch salesman. And he wants to cut her off, like, tired of paying for her lifestyle. And she doesn't like that, so she murders him. In the 27 one. In the 2003 one, Fucking McNulty from The Wire is the boyfriend, and he lied about introducing her to like a talent agent, basically, and then she shoots him. Uh, yeah, and, and then from there, it's the trial of like a a, C, a fucking shady uh, criminal defense lawyer uh, yeah. is defending Roxy, and like turns into a media circus and gets her acquitted. Amid this larger phenomenon of like good-looking young women killing their lovers all over yeah. Chicago. Like, that murderous <laughs> row thing is was real. There was... Right. Yeah, so there's this weird phenomenon in 1920s Chicago. It was during Prohibition. Al Capone <laughs> runs the entire city. Um, like, people are being shot in the street randomly. Apparently, report, apparently it was so violent there that, like, reporters would shoot at each other to try and get stories first. There's, like, real fucking lawless stuff going on. Right. It, and, yeah, <laughs> Chicago in the 20s was what? Like... Any story you've heard about Chicago in the twenties, like it's the it place is where under-exaggerated today. It actually was in the twenties, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So amidst all that, there's also this like this rash of women killing their like lovers or husbands or boyfriends or whatever, and then uh, getting lots of press coverage about it and having juries just be like enamored with them. And these all male juries are acquitting these like young good-looking women Mur- 
Yeah, Ooh, murderers. Yeah, murderers. <laughs> These young, hot murderers. Uh, and they're like, yeah, so, and they're also like, the murderers are becoming like, it's like kind of this weird, like, uh, like shortcut to fame, at least to a little bit of it, like 15 minutes of fame in this era is very, is interesting. Yeah. Um, so, and in the end, uh, Roxy gets acquitted. Um, there's a whole thing where Amos steals money from the lawyer and they're looking for him. And uh, the enduring housemaid of Amos and Roxy oh, has kind of a, a yeah, thing for like, Amos. And, yeah, and she yeah. commits, well, not perjury. I don't know. She like hides evidence. From, <laughs> she gets Amos off, basically. She's the reason he doesn't get arrested, right? Right. Um... So there is like a deeper subject to be had with this movie, but it doesn't come in until the 2002 film when they uh, are able to flush things out more. Um, yeah. When characters can speak in more than, <laughs> in more than one sentence every 15 minutes. Um, how do you feel about rooting for bad guys? Or like seeing the like the clearly bad go unpunished. Oh, well, it's, it, that assumes that I was like, I mean, I because <laughs> with Chicago two thousand two, and even with Chicago in general, you're watching a woman who she killed this guy in cold blood. It's a shady lawyer who gets her acquitted, and then she really just gets out punishment free, like yeah, scot free, I mean... no problem, no lesson learned, no moral gain. Like morally they bankrupt go on to like have their own show, her and not Velma, but her. Yeah. So uh, how do uh, how do you feel about like I mean, watching I wasn't, the like the I guilty go unpunished? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't rooting for him in the context of this movie. I thought it was like it comes off as like dark comedy to me almost. Like how, and I yeah, know this it, is like based it, it should in reality, be. but it's like how delusional these people are. Like a lot of the musical numbers are like delusions that they're having, which I thought was a really cool device. Sure. Um, where it's like the way to, the way they express uh, in musical fashion, it's the way they express their inner monologues um, through like big ballads and dance numbers. I don't know. It's got, it's got some interesting stuff to say about, <laughs> fame and what it does to people or what people will do to get it sure and it it also kind of touches a little bit on um how the media treat this stuff too yeah that too definitely so uh do you want to get into it sure yeah into the yeah so chicago 2002 came out december 27th which is when the original chicago came out the budget how much do you think chicago cost to make alex i don't know probably I guess there aren't that many sets. Uh, thirty thirty million dollars. No, you're you're not forty five million. Okay, yeah, forty five million. The the uh, box office take three hundred and six million. Yeah, that does not surprise me. This movie, <laughs> like some, I don't know, Richard Gere at his hunkiest, like the peak of Richard Gere popularity right. is in this well and Catherine zeta jones and, and Zellweger. yeah queen latifah john, john c Riley. has <laughs> don't think tay diggs has come out yet tay diggs yeah i forgot and lucy Liu too i was pretty stoked yeah and fucking uh mcnulty from the wire <laughs> i yeah. was so happy when he showed up i love that guy 
So, uh, this Chicago film tackle it, it. It is. It falls into the line of um, dark comedy, and there is a little bit of like jaded disgruntledness because in this, you really the audience has to stand by and watch the like the bad go unpunished at every turn. There is no redeemable qualities. The character of Roxy is self-absorbed and kind of absent minded with her situation. She's aloof. Um, She's never sympathetic at any point in the movie. She's like always trying to get one over on someone, anyone like whether they're helping her or not immediately trying to get her like lies to her husband to try and get him to take the fall for her murder rap. (laughs) <laughs> um, it's like the first introduction that we have <laughs> outside of that club um, yeah and then I mean we don't get to see Catherine Zeta do her murder but she also killed her husband and her sister I think yeah twin <laughs> sister Veronica <laughs> Ooh, wild um, yeah and then we end up in Murderous's Row I did like the number about how they all killed their husbands. That was fun. Cell block tango. Yeah, that was good. Every that that was like the big number from Chicago. Everyone talks about cell block tango, and rightly so. It's catchy as fuck. I had that fucking all that jazz thing, which I did not like it's the good, number. I didn't like the number, but it was stuck in my head for the entire week. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, Alex, you know who? Uh, you know who did the music for this? Well. I mean, I know that Danny Elfman did the, some of the backing, like he, background. He music. did the score. Yeah, but the guy, the songbook is the songbook from the '70s musical. So like, yeah, well, the original was John Kander, right? Who was also, I mean, that's the music they're using is like the yeah. musical numbers are from his stuff. But yeah, Danny Elfman <sighs> did like other score work on it. Pretty mm-hmm. cool. And then Steve Bartek also. It didn't really. Normally, Danny Elfman stuff like sounds very Danny Elfman, but this didn't. Like normally, it'll set off my fucking like my ears will tingle when I hear it, even if I don't know sure. that it was a Danny Elfman soundtrack. This one didn't really do that for me, but maybe it's because it was interspersed with musicals. Hmm. Um. So, all of the cast did their own singing and dancing. Oh, that's impressive. Well, Richard Gere didn't know how to dance before he did Chicago. He learned, and then he did the tap dance. Yeah, also cool. Which is insane. <laughs> like, in Catherine's... And he already knew how to tap, tap Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Renee Zellweger, John C. Riley, they all did their... Queen Latifah? And John C. Riley later goes on to do Walk the Line, so we get to see yeah. some of its burgeoning singing talent here. That's cool. He, or, uh... I mean, line, it's... <laughs> It's uh, it's cool, like to have the actors and actresses go and be like, you know what, we have, like, they're not just hair and teeth, which is what typically is called like talent, like on screen talent, like bring the hair and teeth in. Jesus, um, Cecil, okay. <laughs> hey, it's I'm not the one who made that up. Hair like, yikes, yeah, that's it's, that's what actors and actresses are referred to by like the like all of the technical people, like bring the hair and teeth in. Um, but yeah, so to have them singing and doing their own, like working choreography and yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I think they did a, I haven't seen the musical, like the stage production, but it seems like they did a pretty good job at turning those stage productions into, I mean, most of the time you're still just watching a stage production. It looks like sure. the musical numbers are literally happening on stage. It's like the cell block tango or whatever. That seems like, you know, the way they have that sort of like set piece with the jail bar. Totally. In the background. That's just like, a. they could have 100% taken that out of like whatever stage production they did for it i wouldn't be surprised sure that's what it came from and like the i really like the number with the where they're all mannequins or like all dolls oh that was uh, really cool. we both reached for the gun yeah that's the word we, like, yeah the like, like master richard Gere. yeah yeah uh billy yeah, yeah, having him drink the good. milk at the end while still singing was a nice touch too. Like this classic <laughs> ventriloquist trick. <laughs> it really is like it goes to show that if you do it right, old vaudeville and like ventriloquism and burlesque shows and stuff, it all looks still cla- like it. it in, it's timeless. It's goldless. This- it's timeless. It would, looks perfect every time you do it. I would specify, though, that in this instance of doing ventriloquism right, it involves no ventriloquist figures, which I feel like is an important thing to say. Don't. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the only good way to do ventriloquism <laughs> is without the figure. And that's me being nicer to ventriloquists than I need to be. I know they don't like to <laughs> call them dummies. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's... The rule, so uh, Renee Zellweger uh, killed her lover because he was leaving. And she tries to make her husband take the fall for it. He figures out while he's also like saying he's guilty to the cops, he figures out she was cheating. Rats on her. Dude is dumb as rocks in this movie. It's amazing (laughs) he realized mid-sentence what was actually going on. (laughs) Um, And now she is put in uh, prison. And she's gonna await her wait her court date. And uh Yeah, so from there we go on and we really see, as Alex said, uh it's what people will do for fame or the effect that fame has on people and how the media kind of take these characters and these figures and they obsess over them and it's all the news and you know, you do what you can. Even at one point, Roxy feigning pregnancy. Because oh. the attention was taken away from her that, for I mean, two minutes. That's great, too. Having John C. Riley at the end be like, but what about the kid? And then she's like, you fucking idiot. I was like, yeah, you fucking right. idiot. You dummy. Jesus. <sighs> yeah, those little turns yeah. where you see Roxy like uh, trying to get one over and then actually doing it. I'm like, all right, props. I mean, uh... but yeah, and then having... I don't know. They even show it happening in the movie, right? There's like a new, a new hot and murderous showing up towards the last like act of the movie, and then people, you know, just move on pretty quickly. Like someone, yeah, like Roxy is being acquitted by this all male jury, and then uh, there's like a murder on the courtroom steps, literally, like right as the newspapers are dropping to acquit her, and like, <laughs> so people have moved on even before she's out. Yeah. Which is great. And it's, you know, and Richard Gere is there and he's like, that's Chicago, kid. Like, I tried to tell you, China it's not going to last forever. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
as okay, so there is no like Amos. He ends up. Everyone ends up worse off, with the exception of Roxy, Velma, and Richard Gere. They are morally bankrupt people. They are two of them are murderers. The other is a super scummy yeah. bad lawyer, Richard and not like Gere a bad lawyer. He's like, like a bad lawyer. He was never like bad off. Yeah, he does like commit some really big perjury and falsify evidence to win this trial. And then yeah. he, like when he winks at Roxy, being like, "Sorry, I couldn't let you in on this." Um, it's yeah. like very clear this is like one of his like like he's well practiced at this. I think is the right. he even says he's like never lost a case. Yeah, that's yeah. They're like we knew he never lost a case. It's implied that's because he's such a hotshot lawyer. But then later you're like, oh, also he cheats. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he like tampers with evidence. He plans evidence. Uh, you know he themselves. <laughs> He's off. really good at razzle dazzling yeah. the media. I like, and like, every time they say razzle dazzle, I appreciate the no. <laughs> whole razzle dazzle. Um, it, it's interesting, like with watching a movie where the bad people or like the the antagonists, um, there really is no one to root for, and you just have to watch this happen. Yeah, I like mean, at least they're having they're, fun they're, while it happens, though. Like <laughs> Richard Gere comes off as kind of a lovable scamp. He like, does. Oh, you he really. Oh, you <laughs> right. Yeah. It starts with like the first time you see him. All the women are talking about how like, everyone wants him because he's never. He's Billy Flynn. He's never lost a case, and his whole song like all I care about is love. But every time it cuts back to real life, he's clearly like in the nicest of suits, eating the nicest of food. Like yeah. his retainer fee is five thousand dollars, which it's, in nineteen twenty-seven is crazy. Like crazy money. It, it's five thousand dollars up front because he says he's he's going to be ten for him by the time the trial is done. Um, yeah, that number where he is doing his dance and he looks like like in his imagination he looks like one of the working class people in the Titanic or something. Yeah, he's the shoe shine boy wearing a fucking silk cravat around him. <laughs> <laughs> when he gets that call about Lucy Liu having killed her, having killed like three people that night or whatever, and he's like. Just, it's some nightclub at a speakeasy. This oh, is prohibition yeah. time. Getting hammered, surrounded by hot chicks, and he's like in a full tux with a big silk scarf, and he wears. And that he's laughing the, about the story. Yeah, yeah he's like, like oh, some heiress just plugged three people. <laughs> Her mom owns all the pineapples in Hawaii. Yeah, and it's like, like there is. You want you're, you're we're used to seeing justice on some level even if it's like at the end of the departed matt damon still gets killed right like eat like bad people get some form of comeuppance but in chicago you're left kind of missing that it doesn't exist there roxy and velma both who are flat out murders get a like they get a job they get they get they do a double act they're getting paid billy flynn is just gonna go back and lie and perjure his way to another win Amos is now like heartbroken and morally or like emotionally dejected because of all this happening. And the media frenzy is just going to find another murder to fucking latch onto. Like nobody wins. It's so, does it reflect the state of Chicago in the twenties at the time? Like this morally bankrupt wild West. I mean, this stuff was going on, right? Like people, yeah, were being these, <laughs> these women were being acquitted by these all male juries, partly because like, women couldn't serve on juries, which also speaks to like the larger sort of circumstances of 
being a woman at the time, they could vote. For, they could have voted for like four years at this point. It's pretty pretty early days. Uh, sure. <laughs> I like concepts like spousal rape don't exist. You know, it's not a good time to be a gal. I don't think. Well, it's no. also like the punishments hanging. Yeah, that too. Like Roxy, um, like even when they first arrest Roxy, the DA is like, "We're going for a hanging case." <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, they don't fuck around. They don't have electric chairs yet, um, <laughs> or they're like the really fucked up kinds that don't really kill you. Uh, so, uh, yeah. d- does it reflect the environment of Chicago, like in that time period? Like, is it this morally bankrupt? Is it this morally bankrupt situation we're watching that's? acting as the bigger problems of the city. Is it that there's sexism, there's uh, celebrity um, worship, there is, you know, like no honor among thieves, but bad guys finish, like, but good guys finish last kind of thing. There's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, this is also like the roaring twenties, right? So it's like, the height yeah. of wealth disparity before some pretty large totally. crashes are happening. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I just got the sense it was fucking... I mean, then also, like, having Al Capone run your city. Oh, right, yeah. Things are going to get a little wild, probably. Like, you know, in real life, I'm sure he would have been, like, you know, had close acquaintances with, like, every judge trying these and stuff. I don't know. It probably It probably wasn't too much different than this. I mean, reading, like, the contemporaneous accounts, don't think they're doing, like, biz, big jazz show numbers in the cell blocks, but they definitely are, like, <laughs> it's definitely, people are getting, like, not not being held accountable for lots of, sort of, not random killings, but, like, crimes of passion, I guess. I don't know. Now, the one woman on Murderous's Row who was innocent is a Hungarian woman. What did what was her thing? She said that uh, her she is basically her husband was held down and his head was cut off, and they're blaming it on her. But she said she didn't do it. I'm innocent. I don't know why Uncle Sam says I did it. I tried to explain at the police station, but they didn't understand me. Yeah. So that's how she and she's actually hung for her crime, and she's the only innocent one of the group. Yeah, there's a real good phantom joke in there. Hung. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, a so hanging the, the, Hungarian. The and one it's... person who didn't do it. Yeah, is, I mean, yeah, no, no justice, no peace. Uh, um, there is like it, it's. You're watching this dark comedy go along and like Roxy is more concerned about what she's wearing to the jury and you know Billy is feeding her what to say and Velma is pissed off that Roxy stole her like bit like like the stole scarf the and the can't like oh yeah and the, yeah. The and stuff, yeah and uh Amos is like definitely his own song Mr. Cellophane like he is in the background he's totally just written off and ignored um and you as the audience are watching this and you're seeing corruption of the media, you're seeing uh, perjury on the stand, you're seeing planted evidence, uh, you're seeing 
all of these real injustices that are still going on now, and you're seeing these people get rewarded for it with no, like, it doesn't stop. I mean, if this was played like a straight drama, and then it ended with, like, <laughs> you know, the murderer getting off, it would hit different, probably, but I don't know. Sure. It's a fun musical, and <sighs> you forget pretty quickly that <laughs> Roxy shot a dude in the first scene, or in, like, the third scene of the movie. I, I, I don't know, know, man. Like, I did anyway. See, it, it sounds like, ooh, so you were falling for it then. You would have well, acquitted her. No, I mean, I wouldn't have if I was on the jury. I don't know, but this is, I have a 2020 sensibilities. Like, I wouldn't, I would not feel comfortable sentencing anyone to be hung to, like, first off. But also, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't, like, rooting for her to get off. I was just sort of like, Along for the it's ride. kind of a romp, honestly. <laughs> like it's there's not the movie isn't really serious at any point, or it's not like it never gets like dour, you know. Like even it's when hard are, to be serious when they keep breaking into musical numbers. Exactly. Like even when th- even when like things are going really poorly for Roxy, she's like so dislikable that even that is like kind of a fun moment, right? Right. So, um, did you enjoy? So, did you enjoy Chicago? Like overall, two thousand two, was it like a good movie for you? Or I'm not pissed I watched it, but like, like I said, it takes. I'm pretty ambivalent about musicals, and even though I enjoyed some of the numbers, this is like still too much of a musical for me to. Probably not going to go back and rewatch it. I don't think. What musicals did you enjoy? <sighs> Team America. No, I mean, from this, <laughs> what what musical numbers did you enjoy? I liked the puppet one because of the set piece for it. I thought that was pretty cool. I liked Queen Latifah's number. Um, okay. She talks about gravy, but she's talking about sex. That was cool. Uh, <laughs> Queen Latifah is also the corrupt prison warden. Like, yeah. The matron of the like murderous row. What do they call her? The countess? or fuck, The matron. Remember. The matron, what they call she's okay. matron Mama Morton. Mama Morton, yeah, 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 um, yeah, and she's yeah, she is basically like the madam for all of these uh bloodthirsty gals. It's cool, yeah. I liked her number. I don't know. I I thought Richard's Richard Gears like it's cool that he was doing his own singing. He probably doesn't have like the pipes to do full on Broadway stuff. It doesn't seem like he's still good. Sure. But you know, can't like can't belt it out. Um, I don't know that all that jazz thing got stuck in my head, but I really did not like that one. <laughs> I don't. Do you have any uh, real favorite numbers? Um, I like you know. Obviously, I like Sublock Tango. Oh yeah, uh, I, I like really Mr. Cellophane. I like uh, we both reached for the gun, and I like Razzle Dazzle. Is Razzle Dazzle the tap dancing one? Uh, it's before the tap dancing one. It's okay. when Billy is trying to calm uh, Roxy down. He's like, it's all a circus. A three ring circus. And then it's him like going through the motions of like, uh, you know, like um, as long as you can keep fooling them and as long as you can keep throwing different spaghetti at the wall, they'll never right. notice that you're just a fucking fake. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was... I, I, I don't know. I still enjoy... Chicago, like, still enjoy it, still watch it for fun. Um, I think this is my fourth or fifth time seeing it since it came out. 
Yeah, the whole cast is really good and fun to watch. Um, and there's some <laughs> cool, like, character actors in there. Like, Christine Brzezanski is the, like, the reporter woman. Yeah. And I yeah, like she is. she pops up in something. I like, I like it a lot. Um, um, so, before Richard Gere was cast, they were talking about having Michael Jackson be that role. shit. <laughs> okay. I know. But do you know who... Um, you know who objected to that and initially and was the reason why it didn't happen? Tay Diggs. Harvey Weinstein. Oh god. I was gonna I was gonna say yeah. that as a joke. Worst person you know is unfortunately right about this thing. Yeah. He felt that uh if Michael Jackson were to be cast that he would be given more attention uh than the rest of the cast. I mean John Travolta was then offered the role, but he turned it down. That would have been weird. <laughs> That would have been. Weird. I mean, if you get if you have Michael Jackson in this movie, like he's just gonna I, I blow can't. the fucking doors off of everyone else. And I don't. This might sound weird. I don't know if he's gonna play the sort of like straight, handsome leading man that Richard Gere is. You know. I also don't know if he's gonna play like. First off, singing and dancing, Michael Jackson. Yeah, Michael Jackson would have been like, leagues above. Is he going to be like I don't in the twenties in his red jacket with the glove and stuff, like with the? Girl? I don't. I don't know if he's going to be the lovable rapscallion that Richard Gere played. You know, I can't see Michael Jackson being a bad guy like that. I got to look up when Michael Jackson dangled that kid off a balcony. It was his own kid. I know who. I know it was his kid, but. I just, um, that was in 2002. I don't know that you should be putting that person in the lead. I don't know. At that. Then but, again, Harvey Weinstein produced this. So. Uh, I mean, yeah, unfortunate. But, like, at the point where they're talking about maybe casting Michael Jackson in this, this is, like, the height of some of his, like, I don't know. Conflict is the wrong word, but this is like, this is when he is like wearing that mask all the time and he's getting more and more plastic surgery. And right. He's got like, his kids are wearing those weird shawls wherever they go. Now, um, I can tell you, uh, Chicago was nominated for a fuck ton of awards and it also won a fuck ton of awards. Uh, I'm not going to go through the list because there's tons, but some of the main ones that it took home, Academy Awards, Best Picture, uh, Best Supporting Actress, uh, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Film Editing, Best Sound, and then from there on, the Amanda Awards, the American Choreography Awards, the Cinema Editors Award, the Art Guild Institute, the like just a hundred, like so many different film awards Chicago was nominated for and so many more that Chicago won. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, this is a movie about show business. The awards folks like those, you know, right. Big musical numbers, lots of lots that of are numbers. done well though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not like, like this is not repo. Right. You know, um, so when it comes to Chicago, it's, it, it, it was jarring to see 1927 black and white silent film to full spectrum of color and then musical on top of that. Um, 
I know that it was based off the play, but from us to go to like, really it's full circle because it started as a stage play and it's ending as a play, right? It's not even ending. I mean, Chicago is still running as a musical on stages. Right. But the interesting thing of like a silent movie exists and then a musical version of the movie also exists. That is you have two nice little yeah. symmetry kind of thing or something. I don't know. Yeah. To go from silent movie to the most mu- the most sounded movie. Right. Kind of and like full spectrum of color and it almost looks like Baz Luhrmann with the like the Moulin Rouge type of like exaggerated colors and you know yeah there's that scene where i think it's renee zellweger has like that's eh, one of them maybe it's Catherine zeta that big wall of all the lights behind them um that's like going on oh while they're doing their stage number yeah that's both of them when they have the machine guns and they like tommy gun their name into the wall <laughs> like... oh yeah that's right <laughs> at the end there yeah yeah it was uh i don't know i really enjoyed it again um I think it's great seeing Catherine and Zeta Jones in that role as Velma. Renee Zellweger, I think, was amazing as Roxy. I think that was just perfect casting. She nailed that attitude and that character so well. John C. Riley um, plays a schmuck really well. Really well. Like <laughs> it's weird believable. seeing like <laughs> I want to see John John C. Riley in more serious roles. Is he in? We need to talk about Kevin. Is that him? <laughs> <laughs> uh i i'm unsure actually there's a movie where he plays a stepdad and i think maybe it's we need to talk about kevin but um isn't tilda swinton in that yeah and her son kevin is then like then yes killing then i think animals and probably about to become a serial killer then yeah i think that's him too yeah that's john c Riley. that's him in a um, oh god that's ezra miller too Oh yeah! Oh, <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> life, huh. art imitating life, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Art. <laughs> um. So, when it comes to Chicago, Alex, uh, for this practical per- for this, are you going to reboot or are you going to deboot? Uh, I guess. What does that mean in this context? I'm not going to see it again, but. Like if they remake, like, like, do you think it should be remade? Do you think that this Chicago, like Chicago can be done better now? Do you think it could have a better representation? I think that in keeping with the tradition of a musical, it'd be cool if another round of people wanted to do this exact same movie again and just sing the parts on their own. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know who I would put in these roles now, but sure. I take it. Okay. Um, I'm going to deboot it and just keep it as a Broadway thing because I don't know if I don't, I can't think of another director who can make it look as cool. I can think of actors and actresses who I'd like to see, but I can't think of anyone production or directing wise who can capture that vibe correctly. Yeah. I'm down with that. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe this could be like a thing that, you know, sometimes actors will go and do a little stint on Broadway or somewhere. Radcliffe did that thing where he was naked on stage for a while. Maybe, yeah, maybe and the like flaming that. and the flaming lips and uh, Miley Cyrus did that whole nude show where the whole audience was nude too. Oh, yep. Maybe they could do like hairspray. Maybe they could do that with Chicago. I don't know. 
Sure. Um, Chicago ran for 172 performances. Like on Broadway? Because it's still Mm -hmm. on Broadway now. The musical itself was based on a 1926 play. Uh, It ran for 172 performances at the Music Box Theater. Yeah. And it's still... I mean, I just Googled Chicago musical and then it's like, here are some local listings for like, it's in Portland. Yeah. So. And then like yeah. local, yeah, troops and stuff. So Still um, can't find anyone doing silence though, which is a real bummer. So, I know. I want to. One day. <laughs> I guess Same this is kind Evil of Dead the musical. second musical we've talked about technically because. What's the first? Well, silence when we're doing silence. Of the Lambs. Well, <laughs> we didn't watch I, silence. I know I tried, but just the fact that it existed. You know, sure. Yeah. Um, well, do you have any uh, final words for our audience, our hearers? I'm just gonna. I got a really cool clip from Chicago, and then well, let's it. hear it. You get it? Oh, I got it. Okay. I tell you, there's something on that island that no white man has ever seen. Well, we better get going. I wonder, will we ever see each other again? Who knows? God willing, we'll all meet again in Spaceballs too, to search for more money.